We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, August 7th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Uh, preseason games start this week. Uh, my guest today is Matt Harmon from NFL.com and uh, creator of creator, sorry, of Reception Perception. If you want to know anything about wide receivers, uh, Matt's Reception Perception data is great. You can find it at fantasyfootballers.com. Um, so we're going to focus on wide receivers today. Before we get started, Matt, welcome. First of all, thank you for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure, John. It's an exciting time football-wise. Like, I can't believe we're seeing all this kind of, you know, we're about to see it all play out, man. It's it's very exciting. I, I love this time of year. It's when, you know, we start to get the, as my as my friend Sigmund Bloom says, it's when we start to get the sword and shield out and, and battle each other over our stances with, with different fantasy players. It appears like, I've noticed the last few days, it appears like Amir Abdullah is going to be like the whole fantasy Twitter's holy war player of, uh, of 2017, which I was not expecting. You know, I, I feel like that person changes every couple of weeks, though. It was Eric Ebron a few weeks ago, right? This must be something with Lions this year. (laughs) (laughs) So, and another one, Tyreek Hill, we're going to talk about a little later. Yeah, Hill's a good one. So, we've got games starting this week. Uh, Texans-Panthers on Wednesday, a bunch of games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. When you, so week one of the preseason, and and let's say 
Tyree Kill or Amir Abdullah or whatever, we're going to see these guys for a series, not a series, maybe, maybe a quarter, something like that. What, what do you usually try to get out of a preseason game for fantasy purposes? So this is a great time to ask this question. I actually just wrote a piece about this on footballguys.com, uh, which, which I still do a little bit of work for. And to me, it's not so much about taking things away from the preseason necessarily. It's it's trying to follow the consistent drumbeat of the offseason. That's another hat tip to Bloom and Cecil Lammy, who I've taken a lot from. And, and they've always talked about that on the Audible podcast. And like to me, it's 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 not necessarily just seeing like a one-off thing in the preseason. And again, coming back to Amir Abdullah, we remember that run that he had against the jets, which like literally shook the foundations of <laughs> fantasy football. And, you know, people were punching each other in the throat just to get him in like the fourth round. And, and, you know, and it didn't matter how high you had to take him. Like it's not so much about reacting to one thing like that. It's about seeing the culmination of a developing drumbeat storyline that's happened throughout the off season. A good example uh, was Doug Martin a few years ago in 2015, when Dirk cutter really went out on a limb for him when he was the offensive coordinator at that time to, to bring him back. He garnered a ton of offseason praise in, in mini camp and then in training camp. And then we saw in the preseason, he just looked like a different runner than the guy who was plodding around through injuries in 2013 and 2014. And sure enough, he rode that all the way to a top five fantasy running back finish. So that that's the sort of thing that you want to see play out. There's a few candidates I've got. I've got my eye on this year, but that to me is, is more so what the preseason is about. Like seeing some of these off season storylines either come to fruition and come into actuality in, in actual games or, you know, fall by the wayside and appear to be just more camp fluff or for whatever reason. Yep. Okay. Um, everybody, we would like to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. You want to sign up now for Yahoo Fantasy Football, you can do it at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Um, Twitter, Matt is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. I'm at Jay Halpin 37 You can also check us out at Rotowire or at Rotowire NFL. All right, let's go back to Tyreek Hill. So I come into this uh, offseason, and I see the during the offseason – Jeremy Macklin gets shipped out of Kansas City, and Tyree Kill is the number one receiver. And my initial reaction is, it's not gadget guy. That's a little strong. Mm. But I say, can Tyree Kill be a real live, let's say, team's number one receiver? Now, the Chiefs are a little bit of a different team, um, and he's not going to be a 100-catch you know, guy or anything like that. But you, I, I'm skeptical. You have researched this more than I have, and you seem more sold on Tyreek Hill's ability to be a pretty good receiver than most people. If that's fair, can, can you tell me why? Yeah, I'm definitely sold that he can be like, he has the potential to be more than just a gadget player. So, and and one thing let's even beyond go beyond what I think. I think that the, the, what's even more encouraging is that the chiefs believe that we've never seen with guys like Tavon Austin, Cordero Patterson, or really even a, a, a player who's better than those two, like Percy Harvin. We've never really seen a team do the things as early in, in a player like Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's career that the chiefs are doing. 
doing. They jettisoned their number one receiver. They've said that he's done, done really well in training camp. They made route running a priority for him this off season. You know, they didn't go out and, and make some kind of big move at wide receiver that would have you think like a, you know, a player like Chris Conley or Albert Wilson guys that I kind of like, but they're not going to threaten Tyree kills spot in this offense. I mean, they're clearly in love with this guy and believe he can be a, a starting traditional receiver. Otherwise they would have left him in a gadget role, which they're clearly not doing. We, we normally don't see a coaching staff, put their faith in a player like that. So back to what I think of Hill, you know, I, I think this is important because for me, like analysis that says Tyreek Hill cannot repeat his rookie year efficiency. You know, that doesn't really do anything for me because the situation has changed. He's no longer going to be left in a particular gadget role like that. So the question now becomes, can he go beyond that? And I believe that reception perception is a good tool to do that. As you mentioned, it's, it's what a, it's a methodology that I created to evaluate the wide receiver position. I go in and I chart every single route that a receiver runs over an eight game sample for NFL players, a six game sample for college players. And so for Tyree kill, obviously he's not running as many routes as some of these other high end start, you know, some of these traditional starting receivers, he only ran 180 routes over his eight game sample. That's lower than the NFL average. However, on those routes, you know, when he wasn't doing gadget things, he was definitely creating separation. He was, he actually posted a 72.4% success rate versus man coverage. That's, you know, right in line with players like Stefan Diggs or, or Eric Decker is another comparable asset to him. He actually on 30 press attempts, he posted an 80% success rate uh, versus press coverage, which was a top 10 score last year. So again, these are limited looks, but I think it does go to show that the potential is there for him, him to do a little bit more. So you know, I, I, and as far as his usage in the chiefs offense, like obviously he's not going to be, you know, peppered with 130 targets or something like that, but it's pretty easy with, with the targets he's going to get near the line of scrimmage, et cetera. It's pretty easy to get him to 70 catches when you're projecting him out. And I think that he has weak winning potential too. So for me, it's, it's a, a lot of it is about roster construction. Do I want to take Tyreek Hill on my team? If he's going to be, you know, my wide receiver one after going a bunch of running backs early. No, I probably don't. But if I've gone two wide receivers early and I can count on him as more of the third guy in my rotation, then I'm really excited about adding him because I feel a little more insulated from the downside, uh, but really exposed to the upside. So right now uh, I'm using the MFL ADP as a reference. He's going about number 50. Does that sound right to you? Does that sound like a that you do you like that price? Yeah, I mean, in the wide receiver 20 range, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, you know, it's going to be hard for him with the excitement that, that the team has for him to really crash and burn if that price. And again, I think it's just, it just comes back to roster construction. And when he's going as like the 20th receiver off the board, that makes it tangible for me to be able to add those two wide receivers early and then double back in the late fourth, early fifth round to get Tyree kill. Okay. Um, so 70 catches that would, I, I would think that would definitely make him a guy, you, you would think he's going to be a guy with, I don't, I don't have last year's numbers in front of me, actually, but a, a decent yards per catch. Plus, he'll probably do the, you know, a little bit of the running and maybe a special teams couple of touchdowns and things like that. Yeah, I think I do think he gets pulled off. And that's been the statement from the team, too, is that he's probably going to get pulled off most like kick return duties, et cetera. But I do think that they will still make use of his running ability. I think he gets, you know, about 20 rush attempts this season because that's just I mean, that is something that the Chiefs do a ton of in their offense anyways, even with guys like, uh, you know, DeAnthony Thomas. And they've 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 used other players like that, too. And I think that for them to do it with a player that's that's not named Tyree Kill would kind of be a waste of time. <laughs> right. 
Okay. Um, right behind Tyreek Hill looking at this ADP is Terrell Pryor. And he is one of the, I don't know about polarizing, but some people are very sold and some people are like, well, he's fine. You know, he'll be good. Maybe he's like last year and we're not sure how good he is yet. How good do you think Terrell Pryor is? Yeah, Pryor is is a tough one for me, fantasy-wise, I should say, simply just because divvying up the volume in that uh, passing game there in Washington is kind of difficult. But I'm pretty sold on Pryor as a player and a, and a good real-life fit for Washington. He posted a 64.1% success rate versus man coverage. That's right above the uh, – the that's like right around with the reception perception average. You know, considering it's his first year playing wide receiver, I think that's pretty – that's pretty solid. The routes that he were – that he performed best on were the post, dig, and slant. Uh, and those are those real high percentage in-breaking routes. And I think he can just absolutely eat you know, chunk yardage on those passes with, with, with Washington. Kirk Cousins really likes to throw the slant, the deep post. So I think Pryor could make a ton of big plays in that regard. So I like the fit from that standpoint. The only question for me in terms of fantasy is, is just how many targets is, is he actually going to get? If big, if here, big, if, if all things are equal in Washington, you know, if Jordan Reed is out there, which is always questionable, Josh Doxson's beginning to play a role and he's got a hamstring injury right now. I think if, if those guys are out there, it's tough to get prior to 120 targets, which he'll really need to pay back like a wide receiver, 14 costers where he's going off the board on, on fantasy football calculator. So, but the good thing with, I mean, as I'm alluding to here with prior, he has a bigger ceiling uh, than I think than he do, that he does if, if those players are out there. So he's a real wide range of outcomes player to me. I, I, I think there is more of a floor than drafters are currently accounting for, and they're really buying in on that ceiling. But I do think that ceiling really exists. So I've kind of red lighted prior when he gets into that like top 15 range, but I do want to buy him as like the, you know, closer to wide receiver 20 if I could possibly get him. Okay. So if you're, uh, l- let's say the, the, the floor is a little lower. Let, let's say things don't work out for prior and he's not as good as some of those, the hopeful people think, who do you think benefits? I mean, we kind of know if Reed's healthy, we probably know what Reed's going to get. Who else do you right, think right. Doxon is that the guy, or do you think, yeah, Hey, maybe Chris Thompson catch 70 passes or something. I mean, cause cousins is going to throw probably 600 times again. So right. who, who's the beneficiary? Who, who's your eye on there? If, if prior doesn't work out, is it Doxon? It is, it is Doxon because I think those two would play a similar role. And, you know, it's important to remember that as excited as we all are about Terrell Pryor, Washington only gave him a one-year deal. You know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they just took Josh Doxon in the first round a year ago. So they obviously like Josh Doxon. Of course, he needs to be on the field. But he, he was gaining some buzz in training camp as well. So I think it's worth keeping an eye on Doxon. I think he'd be the one to benefit. The, one, the two that, like you said, feel Actually, all three that feel pretty secure are Chris Thompson as a, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. I mean, I don't think they want him being, you know, a theoretic clone, but definitely sort of a, a, a smaller version of that. I think, you know, 70 catches for Chris Thompson, that would probably indicate like a real disaster scenario for Washington's pass catchers. Right. But but uh, Jameson Crowder, I think his role secure and I, I like where he goes in drafts. He's fairly valued. And Jordan Reed, obviously, is the guy that, you know, if he's on the field, he's he's the transformative figure of this passing game. So those guys, all three, all, all three of those feel pretty secure in their roles. Uh, it, the bigger question is just not jo- Josh Doxton and Terrell Pryor and w- what comes of that situation. 
All right, everybody. We've got to thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. With Yahoo Fantasy Football, there are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field. It's football in its funnest, best form, where there's no such thing as an excessive celebration. Like that guy. Have you seen the ad yet for that, Matt? The guy dancing around with the belt and the trophy and all that? Is it is it on TV? Because I've like I have not been I have not seen it yet. Because I hardly watch I hardly watch any. Well, if it's an autoplay video, I guess I'd probably come across it somewhere before <laughs> tossing my phone at the wall. It, it's pretty. The, the, the actor who did it, he really hammed it up. So I got to give him credit for the excessive celebration that we reference in the ad here. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play and easy to use on a desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. Sign up today. Uh, Sorry, rotowire.com slash Yahoo and download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three straight years. The Yahoo Fantasy app messenger allows for all the witty banter and smack talk your league can muster. The app is just as extensive as the desktop experience, letting you draft, trade, and check waiver options right on your phone. It gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every time. Switch your league to Yahoo where you can manage your league dues for free. That's pretty cool. Sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. That's rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football. Feel the wins. All right, back to wide receivers. Des Bryant. Um, I mean, he hasn't been – the team's going to run a lot again. I mean, they ran a lot when – they run a lot when he's healthy or when he's not healthy. Um, he hasn't been really productive since 2014. And we're all kind of drafting him still pretty high as a top 12 receiver. Are, are, are you in on Des Bryant? Do you think this is a, a bounce back? Do you trust him to stay healthy? What do you think of him? Yeah, Bryant is another. I mean, trust him to stay healthy. I, I would be disingenuous if I could give you a real answer to that, of course. Um, uh, I, I, I like Des. I think he finishes probably I think he ends up finishing as a wide receiver one again, maybe like to back half, you know, wide receiver 12 area. Uh, so I, I get where he's going, but he's another one that I think is it's extremely important to put into context. What, what else you do around him? Like I know that Des is going to be volatile week to week, not just because of the, uh, of the running concerns you mentioned, which will, you know, dictate that he's going to be a low volume receiver, which, you know, to be fair, Des has always been a low volume receiver. He's never had over 160 targets. His, his high watermark is 159 in 2013. And that's really the outlier of his career, even in games when he was, you know, healthy and playing 16, 138 in 2012, 136 in 2014, when he led the NFL with 16 touchdowns. So Des has made a living off being a low volume receiver before. So that's not too big of a concern for me because he's going to be, I still think he's going to be a great touchdown score. You know, he had eight in 13 games last year. He and Dak Prescott really started to get going towards the latter half of the year. I mean, it's hard to erase the memory when he smashed the Packers with a, a, a multiple touchdown game in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I'm not too concerned about Des, but again, it depends on what I've done around him. Like there's a 0% chance. I want him as like a wide receiver one, but if you can, if, if you've, which again, I, you know, that, that sounds confusing even when I say he's going to finish as a wide receiver one at season's end because of the touchdowns, but he's really an ideal guy for me. If I start with a, you know, one of the top four receivers, Brown Jones, Beckham or green. And then if he's there in the mid to late second round, when I'm picking again, then Des becomes an appealing pick to me. But if I've gone running back in the first round, I don't really necessarily want to double up with Des in the second round. Okay. Um, all right. So a little tangent on that. Do you buy into that? Basically, you look at the Cowboys passing game, and well, Witten's still there, 
and, you know, Beasley and whatever. Do, do you think, do you buy into this idea that they're going to throw to Zeke a lot more? Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of do because he was a great pass catcher and at Ohio state, he was a, to me, he was somebody that could play in all phases of the game. So I think that he's dangerous there. I mean, you know, he averaged over 10 yards of reception last year. So we know he can make plays in the passing game. And, and I think that just the general fact of they might be on game, you know, in, in less favorable game scripts in, in 2017 than they were in 2016, just because their schedule is going to be a lot harder. Warren Sharp, who does a great job with schedule, uh, a schedule strength of schedule work he, for Roto world and his own, oh, in his own magazine too. He's pointed out that they have a tougher schedule this year. You know, Zeke led the NFL with 322 carries. Uh, and like you said, only 32 receptions. I, I think we could see the receptions number come up. And the rushing numbers go down simply if Dallas is not consistently playing with the lead. So I think even if they don't necessarily design it, I think just by the fact that they'll be trailing and perhaps even passing a little bit more that that could lead them to throw to Zeke more often. Okay. Um, give, give me a number. How many receptions for Zeke? Uh, let's just, I, I say, I'll say 45. Okay. I think 45 is kind of, is, is pretty fair. Um, I, I only have him projected for like 35, but I think in a, in a, you know, a less desirable scenario, he could get to 40 plus. Gotcha. All right. Um, so you talked about Des being a little volatile. I would say that Martavis Bryant fits that description too. Um, he's going to have huge get. Assuming he's reinstated, he's still at conditional reinstatement. Is that where we are? Is it a technicality? Right. Yeah, the latest report is that the Steelers expect him to be fully reinstated this week. I mean, talk about a situation where we just we have, you know, we have no idea. Like, has he done something wrong? Is the NFL just dragging their feet? You know, right. what, what, like what's going what's going on? We have we have no idea. But uh, yeah, of course, with the asterisks that he's on the field. OK, so he'll be volatile. He'll have huge games. You know, he'll have the 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 five for 160 and a touchdown kind of deals. Um, but he's still I look at him. And I like him and I love the talent. And I look and I say, he's probably the third receiving option in their offense. What do you do with a guy like him? Like, how, how much can you like, can a guy at that, if, if I'm right about that, and I know, all, you know, receptions are, Le'Veon Bell's receptions are different than his. But how, how much can you invest in a guy who, I, we, there's, a, there's a volume ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I would say, the reason that I'm a little more optimistic about his volume, I mean, obviously he's going to be up and down just based on the targets he gets. He's not going to be, you know, getting a lot of high percentage near the line of scrimmage targets. But the reason that I'm optimistic from a volume standpoint is that Pittsburgh just doesn't beyond, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, who are obviously going to command a ton of volume. They don't really have many other playmakers. I mean, they just straight up ran out of guys towards the playoffs last year. They were throwing at guys like Kobe Hamilton in the AFC playoffs. That's right. not what you want. That's not a winning formula. Uh, so they, and they really they added Juju Smith Schuster. But other than that, they, they're kind of, you know, they're bereft of talent at tight end that they don't have a ton of guys at wide receiver to command looks. So I think it's pretty easy to get Bryant to 120 plus targets, which would definitely stabilize his season long floor a little more. But like you said, those are going to come in, in in peaks and valleys, but I think he could be more consistent this year than he has been in years past. All right. So where do you have, where do you have him approximately in that? I mean, in the low twenties somewhere he's his ADP is low twenties from what I'm looking at. Yeah, I have, I have Bryant 
it kind of in that wide receiver 21 range. I have him in a tier with Tyree kill Dante Moncrief, uh, Pierre Garcon guys that I think are going to have, you know, some big weeks and then some slower weeks for, for a variety of different reasons. But I, th- I think he's another one like those guys that you, de- it definitely depends on, on what you've done ahead of, t- ahead of time. You know, vol- this is what, what you need to do with volatile, volatile players. It's not, you know, fade them because they're going to be volatile. It's just, you need to be more sensitive to how you're constructing the team around them. And, and luckily in the next tier after that, there's plenty of guys, you know, like the Willie Sneeds, the Jamison Crowders, the, the golden Tates that are going to be more consistent week to week, have more of those high volume totals, uh, to, to stabilize your lineup. So the wide receiver position does make it easy to, to kind of insulate guys from their, from their floors. Gotcha. All right. Um, so we're recording this, everybody. It's Monday shortly. Right now, it's about, we started a little afternoon Eastern time. I know Matt's on the West Coast. And I don't know if you saw it this morning, Matt, but um, I was on Twitter a couple hours ago, and, and all the, uh, Brandon Cooks' name kept flashing through my feed. Um, apparently, he was putting on a show at you know, one-handed catches and things like that at practice today, which, of course, you know, fantasy Twitter goes, whoa, oh, my God. <laughs> um, what do you think? Ha- they don't. Wide receiver ones, not named Randy Moss, don't do a ton there. There haven't been big time wide receivers there other than Randy Moss, right? And do you, do you think Brandon Cooks, it, they they made an investment to get him with the trade? Do do you think they will make him more of a featured receiver, or will the Patriots be their usual, you know, spread the ball around? Obviously, Gronk's health is a factor. What is Brandon Cooks? going to get enough to be, let's say, a fantasy top 12 wide receiver? Well, you know, the golden rule of training camp clips, uh, John, <laughs> is that it only matters if it helps confirm your preconceived notion. Yes. And, if it do- <laughs> and if it doesn't, then we just keep on moving. But I think that the Patriots right now and how this affects Brandon Cooks are, you know, they're going to be a great offense. But Cooks is coming from a great offense with a great quarterback. So to me, that's a lateral move just in terms of going. And especially I think the Saints offense is more favorable for fantasy than the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots obviously are a better overall team, like no question about that. But for strictly fantasy, you know, growth, the Saints are a great place because they they're consistently passing. They're always behind with that defense. The Patriots aren't going to have that those sort of game scripts. I mean, we should expect Tom Brady to finish with less overall pass attempts and probably passing yards than a player like Drew Brees simply because of the game scripts that they're playing on. So I don't think this is a positive move in terms of offense to offense for Brandon cooks. And when you get to splitting up the Patriots, you know, I have them passing more this year than last year because they were really high in run play percentage last year with blunt there. And obviously Brady being suspended four games and their off season moves, including bringing in one Brandon cooks dictates that they're probably going to be a pass heavy team. But the problem is, divvying up the targets in the offense. Like I think that Julian Edelman's volume is destined to come down. I think the Patriots want it to come down, but it's still tough to give him any less than 130 targets, you know, at about a 22 and a half percent of the overall team targets, because I I don't want to be the one to predict when that mind meld between he and Tom Brady ends. And (laughs) I would have felt more, I would have felt more confident that this might be the year had the, had the Patriots not extended him. And of course, Gronk is there, you know, Gronk, like Jordan Reed, his presence could leave at any time and shake things up. But at the same time, if he's out there, 
he's a lock for near 120 and you know obviously will be the red zone threat he's he's the one right now that is obviously the biggest X factor, but with all those guys, it's really hard to give. And then of course we know the Patriots are one of the teams that throw to the running back more often than anyone else. So with all that being said, it's tough to project cooks for more than like about a hundred targets. And that is just simply not going to be enough unless he's, you know, catching deep touchdowns every third or fourth catch for him to pay off a top 12 ADP. So he's been one that I've red lighted pretty much throughout the process. I've been, you know, completely off on that cost. Like he makes sense at some point in the late fourth, fifth round to me, just because I think you want pieces of that Patriots offense. But right now he's, I'm totally off on his, his cost. Yeah. And you're not getting them at that range. And, um, yeah. you know, it's funny you were talking about Edelman and I had this conversation with, uh, Mike Rathburn last week. And he was down on Edelman talking about the volume coming down. But I told him I'm looking at the ADP and it's in the sixth round. I said, you know, in a PPR league, how much do you want to dare me to take him? You know, how, yeah. much, how much do you want me to, da- to dare me to take a guy who I still think has a decent shot at 80, 90 receptions in round six? And I, yeah, I, I mean, if I get he plays the talent, six games. But, right. Yeah. I don't know. He- Sorry, go ahead. I cut you off. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I'm with you that if he, he plays 16 games, he's going to outkick that wide receiver 28 ADP, um, probably even in a, in a standard format, just because I think he, he he's going to get the high percentage targets. And, you know, the, this with all of these weapons, and it is just a stupid embarrassment of weapons that the Patriots have right now. This is going to just make things so much easier for all these other targets. And it's why I've been kind of interested in taking Gronk in like that second round range, even, you know, you know what you're getting yourself into with Gronk. Like yeah. he's one of these players like, like Keenan Allen, you know, if, or, or even a Sammy Watkins to a lesser degree. Like if they're, if it's week six and these players are, you know, on IR, you shouldn't be surprised, but if it's week six and these guys are, you know, killing it, you shouldn't be surprised either. So you kind of know what you're getting yourself into with Gronk. But I just think that the, it's going to make this whole offense just more efficient, not necessarily more voluminous, but more efficient. And I mean, Gronk was averaging over 20 yards a catch when he was playing last year with, with, without these weapons, without a, a, a field stretcher like Brandon cook. So he's a really appealing pick, especially like, you know, I'm a little bit of a tangent right now on this Gronk thing, but like there are some drafts when you're able to start, you know, Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson in the, one of the first two slots. And those are obviously the two guys that are just really unfair positional advantages at the running back position. And then if you're able to come back around to the late second, early third round, where some people will let Gronk slip to, and you're able to get him there, then you're getting like the only unfair positional advantage at the tight end. So the, it's, it's tough to, to pass that up um, it, because I just think this, this often is going to make Gronk even just more efficient than ever before. All right. Um, everybody, we need to thank another sponsor. Auto New Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like an NFL GM. It's better fantasy football, auction-based, deep rosters, college players in the player pool. You can stash college prospects for the future, trade for superstars to make a championship push, and develop your team over multiple seasons. You can play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet, and even maybe me because I'm going to be in a league. Auto New Fantasy Football, that's O-T-T-O-N-E-U, autonewfootball.com. All right, we're gonna, you talked about the Saints a minute ago. We're going to go back to them. Um... I'm looking at ADPs, and this happens with the Saints all the time. So you have one receiver that everybody likes. Last year it was Cooks. And Michael Thomas, people liked in the preseason, but he wasn't being drafted high. He was probably going somewhere between 40 and 50 at wide receiver during draft season. So now everyone loves Michael Thomas. He's a top, you know, six, seven, eight receiver in in most drafts. And then you dip down to wide receiver 30 at Willie Sneed. 
And the tight ends, no one's excited about the tight ends. With the volume from the Saints, does someone else have to step up and have a pretty solid, like, does either Willie Sneed have to have to do better than his ADP or does someone else have to step up and do better? I feel like we ignore all but one Saints wide receiver all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally in on all three of the Saints wide receivers at their draft costs. I mean, and that includes Ted Ginn. And I think Ginn Mm -hmm. is the is kind of the X factor there. You know, someone that is he's never going to go higher than double digit rounds like that's just, you know, guarantee. But uh, I do think he can outkick his ADP. I mean, the Saints are going to throw around, you know, they're going to throw over 620 times, most likely, Um, you know, and I think that Thomas is going to get. Uh, near 125 to 130 targets. And that's more than enough in, in, in his type of role to pay back his draft costs. Like you mentioned Sneed, if this offense does become more highly concentrated, Sneed could, you know, he could perhaps have more of a, of a ceiling than his, his ADP generates right now. I mean, I'm open to that being the case too, but, but again, right now looks like he's in line for 80 plus, you know, 90 targets. So and of course, we know that there's going to be no week to week, you know, reliability with Ted Ginn. I mean, even more so than players we've already discussed. And but, but at the same time that, that he's going to have big weeks in this offense in it with a efficient, deep passer like Drew Brees. So he's yeah, he's the one that kind of looks like he stands to benefit. And, you know, nobody wants to say it. But if Kobe Fleener's out there starting at tight end, like he's he's going to be he's going to get targets and he will not, you know, be necessarily productive with all of them. But he'll have his spots, too. All right, hold on. I want to look up Kobe Fleener because last year we were all fired up about Kobe Fleener before yeah. last season, and then it just it, it just crashed and burned completely. It was like the was the year before Josh Hill. Was that was that it? Yeah. Uh, I, well, the, the thing about Kobe Fleener is he was like the ultimate win for you know just watch the games uh, right. because like people know Kobe Fleener is 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 not like a good football player. Right. Uh, but at the same time, he definitely. I mean, he, you know, he's in a he was in a great spot last year, and that's the thing. Like. I think he I could easily just ha- he could have the season that he had last year. Like, I'm not trying to say that that Fleener is going to outkick his ADP by much. But if you need a tight end streamer, like he's going to most likely get over 80 targets. Just I mean, which is he had 81 last year. So, OK, um, I want to go to the Raiders. Everybody, we're all excited. This is this is the breakout for Amari Cooper. And, you know, no argument. I think Amari Cooper is a really talented. He's a really good player. All good, no complaints. But are we the, the idea that w- when they're going to get in the red zone and they're going to throw more to Amari Cooper than Michael Crabtree? Are we just hoping for that, or do we have reasons for that? Because for two years it hasn't really worked out that way, right? Right. I mean, I think that it, it could always be this is the year for Amari Cooper. You know that makes complete sense to me, like, because he's great. Cause he's a great player, yep. but it wouldn't surprise me if it's, you know, 2019 and we're saying this is the year that Amari Cooper, <laughs> you know, takes over for Michael Crabtree. So I, I think so my theory with Amari Cooper and why he's not as much of a red zone player as Michael Crabtree or even like, you know, Seth Roberts, Seth Roberts. One of these, you know, yes. one of his goofballs. So, um, the, my, my theory with that is that in his final season in Alabama, in his first year in the NFL and even his second year in the NFL, he's finished below the average for contested catch rate in reception perception, you know, totally just a theory, but perhaps that's why the Raiders don't necessarily see him as that 50, 50 ball type of player. He's more of a smooth separator, a guy that gets open quickly 
and in routes and even in the deep portions of the field. So maybe that's why, again, totally just a theory. So, but I could see that course correcting itself at any time in terms of just like, this could be the year that he leads the team in red zone targets again, just because he's a superstar. I think he's a, he's that type of player. So, you know, the, the gap between Cooper and Crabtree and ADP is, you know, for, for probably the third year running, not justified, but at the same time, I think Cooper is going to have a blow up season at some point and it, it could easily be this year, but you know, it could easily be 2019 too. It's just, I really have no like confidence in projecting that it's, you know, that it's going to be this year, but I'm, I'm in on hoping that it is. Yeah, me too. Damn that Seth Roberts catching touchdowns. such a, such a, like such a bizarre player well, <laughs> is Seth Roberts. Last year he caught, I think five touchdowns. It felt like 12. Yeah. Like, well, know, there should have been 12 at the bottom maybe. of the screen. You go, Oh my God, another one. I can't believe this guy keeps stealing from Mark Cooper. Yeah. It's, it's a strange, it's a strange situation. And you know, again, like, I normally like to have evidence and a reason for projecting change within uh, something that's going to happen in fantasy football. And we really don't have that reason to project change for Amari Cooper's usage right now, other than we just all think he's really good and he plays in a good offense and he plays with a good quarterback. And so, but, but yeah, normally I prefer to have these sort of things based in, in reason and evidence. And and that isn't exactly, uh, available right now with, uh, with Cooper in Uh, terms of the red zone usage. And and again, I'm with you, nothing against Cooper on this, (laughs) right? It's just maybe the way they choose to use him. Um, right. Over the weekend, uh, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL network, who I take his opinions very, I, I consider them very valuable as I'm sure you do said he would be, I think the phrase was he would be shocked if Nelson Aguilar didn't start in the slot for the Eagles. What do you think of that? Yeah, DJ, I mean, he's one of the best. He's great. He's a great guy. And like, uh, you know, I, he's not one for hot takes. And right. also, we, it's important to note that he used to be a member of the Eagles front office. You know, he used to work it with that organization back when he was a scouting uh, department guy. And, you know, I, I take his opinion seriously, too. And this is also a perfect example of that offseason drumbeat. Like we've been hearing, you know, nobody wants to listen to it because he's been one of the worst receivers in the NFL over the last two years. But there's been a pretty consistent drumbeat from Eagles writers that, hey, this guy is looks like a different player. He looks much more confident. He looks like he's killing it in camps. And, you know, they since they moved him into the slot, he's done much better. And, you know, Aguilar is a guy that I was I was a big fan of when he was coming out of USC. I thought he reminded me of a Golden Tate type of player. So maybe moving him into the slot is what he need. Of course, I think most of his issues has been confidence and drop issues, which those can be corrected with, uh, with wide receivers. You know, it's never been a lack of dynamism or any technique in his route running. So I, I'm, I'm open to the idea of Nelson Aguilar bouncing back and, and becoming a useful NFL player. Like I'm not going to suddenly think he's going to turn into a star, but you know, this is again, we're talking about that drum beat. This is something I want to see come to reality in preseason games. I want to see Nelson Aguilar go out there and, and make some plays 
in preseason. So th- this is definitely a story that I'm watching and I'm, I'm open to. And, you know, let's not forget that after this year, there's really a lot of questions in that Eagles wide receiver core. I mean, Jordan Matthews contract is up. Alshon Jeffries there on a one-year deal. Torrey Smith has, you know, pretty much no guaranteed money or anything like that, keeping him around. So if the Eagles see some turnaround from Nelson Aguilar, you know, this, this, he could be in a much better position coming into 2018. Right. And Jordan Matthews is pretty much on the don't draft list at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's been cheap all off season. So like, you know, like you're really not wasting anything. I mean, he's currently the 52nd wide receiver off the board. So I'm fine with, with drafting him because I think if he retains that slot role in full, I I do think he can be a high catch, you know, and, and red zone type of player, but you know, he could also be traded in the next few weeks too. And, and I, I do think that we have to ask ourselves if, like what's up with his injury situation? Cause that's really what's given Aguilar the opportunity to shine this off season. Right. Remember how excited we were about Jordan Matthews a couple of years ago. It's so quite sad. a thing. Yeah. Quite a thing. That's things, true. things change quickly around here. I know. All right, everybody, we're going to talk about sleeper bot. Uh, another one of our sponsors football season, obviously right around the corner, which is why we're talking about it. And you need to get your fantasy league started. Um, you know, platforms tend to look the same. Everybody looks, I mean, some very functional, but you know, things, things are pretty much the same, not tons of innovation in the fantasy space. And, um, I checked out Sleeperbot. uh, got recommended to me. I downloaded it. Looks pretty cool. Um, you know, you can, you can set up a league with basically three taps on the Sleeperbot app. Um, Full slate of features to help the commissioner, which we all know is not so easy to be a commissioner. And, and it looks, Sleeperbot looks really, really good. The draft board, you can actually stream on the TV. Plenty of fun animations. That's pretty cool. Um, the app, it just feels a little different. You know, social aspects to it. it it's just more fun than your standard average fantasy sports app. Uh, now that I've seen it, I'm actually starting a league on Sleeperbot pretty soon. We're going to talk about a, uh, a listener league that we're going to do on Sleeperbot. So please stay tuned for that. But really, check out the Sleeperbot app. Download it. I really think you'll like it. Just search for it in the app store or on the web. Your commissioner and league mates are going to thank you for it. That's Sleeperbot. Thanks a lot to Sleeperbot for sponsoring. Go get that app on the app store. Okay, we're going to go to the Broncos. We talked about a couple of good offense. We've been talking about Pats, Saints, um, you know, Raiders. And now we're going to talk about the Broncos. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tamarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. ADPs are still pretty strong. And you can say, well, bad quarterbacks, but, you know, they – I mean, it's the same as last year, probably. Um, what, what do you what do you do with those guys? Do you still buy? Do you still buy? I feel like a few years ago we all loved Demarius Thomas. Obviously, Peyton Manning was there. It was different, even declining Peyton Manning. And Demarius Thomas, I look now, I go sixteen eighty p receiver. I don't want him. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I think he has. Oddly enough, given the fact that he's kind of like a size speed freak, he's really transformed into sort of like a high one of these high floor receivers that I think you can pair with some of these other volatile guys because, you know, he's a near lock for 150 plus targets. I mean, he consistently gets that. And, you know, him and Sanders are really the one of the few receivers where there's just not much else on the depth chart. I mean, those guys have been funneled targets since they've been there together as a duo, Um, you know. Thomas is, is, uh, is going to be, like I said, be a high target, you know, low yards per reception player. Sanders is, has become more of the deep threat there, but he's, you know, I think he's underpriced at wide receiver 34. He makes a sense. Uh, He makes sense on a, on a a few of my teams, especially going in the seventh round. I, I like him to outkick that cost a lot. I mean, he seems to outkick his ADP pretty much every year. Um, Thomas, I think is, is, is appropriately priced, you know, in the third round, He's fine again if you need more of a floor type of player, but there, there's just not going to be much ceiling for him 
or really this entire offense because of the quarterback concerns. And I don't know. Yeah, I get a, you know, this is no, there's no like hard hitting analysis here, but I get a, I just don't get a good feeling from, from the Broncos offense right now. I think there's just a lot of question marks and really a team that I just don't feel comfortable projecting right now, even though on the surface, these two receivers are in good spots and, you know, technically CJ Anderson is in a good spot too, but CJ Anderson has become like the poster boy of can't trust. So, you know, what, what are we really doing with this offense here? You know, mentioning that, I feel like I've seen more traction lately. And again, this is another one, not hard hitting analysis and not, you know, revolutionary probably, but, but the notion that you kind of avoid skilled players with bad quarterbacks. I mean, I know Mike Taglieri from pro football from uh, fantasy pros has been talking about a lot. I know Mike Salfino from Yahoo sports has been talking about a lot. And, and this idea that whether it's a wide receiver or a running back, if he's paired with a bad quarterback, let's Todd Gurley is a good example of this. You just mm-hmm. you know what? I'm out. Crowell would probably be this in the same boat. Do, do you buy that for, for running backs as well as wide receivers? Yeah, I've been more in on it with running backs than wide receivers the last few years. I mean, I wrote an article for NFL.com making the case why Todd Gurley was not a top five fantasy back because of mostly because of the quarterback and the offense. I mean, you want to attach, you know, running backs, especially with offenses that are going to score points. If they're not going to score points, you're not going to put up big fantasy numbers. So I totally get it from that perspective. Wide receivers, I'm a, it, it just it depends. I mean, we saw obviously two guys in New Hopkins and Allen Robinson really crater with bad quarterback play despite getting the volume. Uh, so it, it just depends on what type of receivers they are. You know, those guys are both downfield players that get really low percentage targets and tight windows across the sideline facing press coverage. So there's going to be some volatility with bad quarterback play there. You know, we've seen other receivers succeed with bad quarterbacks, mostly thanks to volume. Um, and I think Demarius Thomas, like we're specifically on him, he could be one of those players that is overall fine with 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 a bad quarterback. I do think it just it just depresses the ceiling of your players yeah. when they're in bad offenses with with bad quarterbacks. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that uh, uh, Hopkins and and Robinson. I remember Hopkins last year, and I know some people were a little. I feel like some people were a little skeptical. I mean, the rate, the, the ADP and the, you know, the draft stock was most people were pretty high, but some people were skeptical of the quarterback play. And I was looking at it going, I mean, he had, didn't have good quarterback play the year before and he was fine. Right. But, and I, sometimes, sometimes I fall into the trap of somebody's got to catch the ball for that team. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was, I was one of the people fading Hopkins last year at his, at his cost. He was, he was not one of, I, he was another one that I wrote about as overpriced. And I think he's, I think he's overpriced again this year. I think it's just important to remember, like all bad quarterbacks are not created equal. Like right. there, there are different degrees of bad quarterback, you know, whereas Brian Hoyer is not a good quarterback, but he's definitely better than Brock Osweiler. And he's also more aggressive than Brock Osweiler. Whereas, you know, Osweiler just simply couldn't run a functional offense, you know, and would not go downfield or throw throw downfield or to the sidelines, which is exactly where DeAndre Hopkins operates. Um, and same thing with like a player like Blake Bortles, you know, different than a, a bad quarterback like a Trevor Simeon, where I think Simeon can keep the offense on schedule, even if he's not, you know, pushing it downfield or being aggressive, whereas a player like Blake Bortles is just he'll completely tank your offensive functionality as a whole. So there's different degrees, I think, of bad quarterback, and it's important to put that into context when projecting wide receivers. But, you know, again, it just does come back to, like, it, it harms the ceiling of all these players. All right. Yeah, you actually mentioned Hopkins last year. Um, I don't know if you saw it. Brock Osweiler is going to start for the Browns on Thursday night. 
Yeesh. <laughs> I really do think I really do think that they're gearing up like to make Deshaun Kaiser their starter this year, though. I think they want him to go out and and win the job in preseason the way that Hugh has talked about him. You know, just the fact that he's the most talented guy there. I think on a skill set basis, I, I think they're gearing up to, to hopefully have him win the job. Um, it, you know, so the Brock starting preseason game one, it doesn't mean anything to me in terms of like, he's going to be the starter week one, but if Kaiser throws up on his shoes in the preseason, we could nice. easily be looking at a Brock. Yeah. And, and that is very possible. We could be looking at a Brock Osler week one start, which I think I'm, me and everybody else on the same page, like, nope, do not want to see that. Uh, yeah, nobody wants to. You know, it's funny. I actually read. Okay, so I read way too much about the Browns this morning before we started this, and I think Schefter said Osweiler's came, name came up in Miami, and the Browns were not interested. Which Oof. I mean, I don't. I, I, I that amazes me if that's true. And Tony Grosso, who covers for ESPN, said that he wrote. That he should start Osweiler because the vet, he, the, he'll lose the veterans if he goes with Kaiser, which kind of surprised me. Like, I, I, I hope the veterans there all understand what kind of project they're in. I mean, I know you don't want to play a worse player at a position, but, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's Osweiler. Yuck. I mean, lose the veterans of the locker room. Like, that doesn't – well, that, that doesn't really pass the smell test for me because, like, don't the veterans in the Browns locker room, like, know what they're getting themselves into right. uh, being on the Browns, number one? And number two, like, do you re- – what do, what kind of veterans are really feeling all that great about Brock Osweiler? I mean, I don't know. So yeah. I, I, we'll see. We'll see with that Browns quarterback situation. Okay, so you said all bad quarterbacks are not created equal. Sam Bradford – we didn't talk about Sam Bradford yet. Is he a bad quarterback or is he just a low risk quarterback? I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he played well last year for the Vikings. I mean, the completion percentage record aside, we know that that is a little hollow, but I think he played well. I mean, you know, this is an offense he's familiar with, with, with Pat Shermer. Um, I think he can be a functional quarterback. So I'm not really worried about him in the degree that I am for some of these, these other quarterbacks around the league. I think Bradford can make the throws, whether he, wants to, or whether he's asked to or not, I think he can make vertical throws. And, uh, even so, I think he more than keeps this Vikings offense on schedule. I'm really kind of like sneakily intrigued with this entire Vikings offense this year. Um, I think they've got really good skill position players. You, you're the second person who said that to me. They people Mm. saying they were excited about the Vikings offense, which has got, you kind of got me thinking now, not that, I think, you know, you're crazy. It's that you're the second person. I'm going, huh, I hadn't thought about it this way. So you, you well, like Calvin Cook too? It's completely reasonable for you to think I'm crazy, number one. <laughs> that, that wouldn't be outside of the range of possibility. Cook was a player I wasn't on like early in the process as like a fifth round pick because I thought Latavius Murray will threaten goal line work and Jarek McKinnon could threaten pass catching work. But that has changed at this point. I mean, cook has been getting a talk again about the drumbeat. He has gotten rave reviews in training camp and mini camps while, while, uh, Murray has been hurt pretty much since the ink dried on his Vikings contract. Right. McKinnon has also been like mysteriously not really involved in practice. Um, we, so meanwhile, while those guys are out, cook has been impressing and he's been impressing in pass protection, which was a concern coming out of college for him for a few draft analysts. And if he just goes in, he could be the, he's the type of player that on the surface, you're like, Oh, you know, this, there's a, there's two other guys there. They could take this duty. This guy could take this duty, but cook is also the type of player that he could get there and just, you know, blow everybody else out of the water. Cause he's just that good. And, and 
he's getting a head start because these other guys aren't on the field to do anything about it. So he's a player that I'm suddenly, you know, kind of warming up to. I still think he is going to be volatile week to week. We don't even know how good this run offense is going to be after it was a disaster last year, but he's certainly someone whose price is becoming more intriguing as we go on through the process. All right. Last Vikings thing. Why, why doesn't anybody believe in Adam Thielen? Yeah. Thielen, like he's obviously underpriced. Um, I'm, I think that Diggs is a future superstar. I'm totally in on Diggs, and he's underpriced too at wide receiver in like, if he's outside of the wide receiver 30 in any ADP, that's atrocious. I mean, he, he has a top 15 ceiling to me for sure. And a really good week to week floor. Uh, Thielen is, you know, when he goes outside of the top 40 receivers, I, I'm in on that. I think he's going to be volatile week to week, you know, no question about it. Cause he's more of the deep guy. Uh, you know, Diggs is going to get the high percentage targets. I mean, it's tough to rank him much higher than, than he goes, but he's in, when he goes in that like ninth to 10th to 11th round range, I'm very much looking at, at him there. All right, everybody. Uh, another sponsor we need to thank. We recommend that you go to fantasy Fantasy sports markets has the best DFS contests available with cash awards, big bonus prizes, Every day, as always with fantasy sports markets, there's no salary caps. You draft who you want on your roster. Try the free-to-enter preseason contest. The prize is a copy of Madden 18. i got to get my son to enter that. He's nine years old. He will love it. Uh, register today. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to get $15 in promotional credit toward your contest entries. It's available to all U.S. residents. Go to fantasysportsmarket.com today. All right, I'm going to give you sort of standards now. Um, early, round, early round wide out most likely to bust. Go. <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I will say, I mean, does the top three rounds count? Uh, yes, that's fine. I would. I mean, Cooks is the is the player. That, well, I, cause I don't think he'll straight up bust. I mean, he's. I don't think he's going to pay back his ADP. Neither do I think Hopkins is going to pay back his cost. All right. Um, late rounds. Give me two or three. Let's say round ten or later, guys that you've got your eye on. Well, we mentioned Thielen. I'm for sure yeah. looking at him. Uh, Kenny Britt in, in Cleveland is underpriced at wide receiver 50. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be one of these people I see out there tweeting every day about how undervalued Kenny Britt is like we get it, but it's still Kenny Britt in the Browns offense. But I mean, in the 11th round, I'm totally taking a shot there. Same with Mike Wallace in, in the 11th round. He's someone that obviously was gaining some traction, but then Jeremy Macklin signed. But I think those two could be pretty close in target totals. Wallace is the one who was there last year and, you know, put up a pretty quiet thousand yard season. So those three guys. And then even later on than that, I, I'm in on Ted Ginn, as I mentioned, Josh Doxson and, and Tyler Lockett, too, who I'm a big fan of as a talent. I think people that follow reception perception know that. But now he's going off the board at wide receiver 60. I mean, it, regardless of what you think about how good he is, what we do know about him for sure is that he offers spike week potential. And if you're getting that at a wide receiver 60 cost, I, I love it, especially with the Seahawks offense that I think could be headed for their best year yet. As, as I tell people, Matt, on here. As a as a Rutgers graduate, I have no problem with you talking up Kenny Britt anytime you want. So that's fine. Feel free to tweet about Kenny Britt, talk about Kenny Britt, whatever you want about Kenny Britt. I'm good. All good. There you go. Leontay Carew, different story, I guess, but whatever. <laughs> we'll see, man. <laughs> Never give up the faith. All right, last thing. So you're a Brussels sprouts guy? I found yes. this out on Twitter. Oh. Oh. So big Brussels. Like, yeah. I feel like half the tweets I've seen referencing you are about Brussels sprouts. Yep, quite a thing. Uh, if there was ever a confirmation that I needed that I 
have made like the most ridiculous career for myself. It's that I led, you know, like a four month campaign, <laughs> propaganda campaign about Brussels sprouts and finally had to retire the bit with the video news co- press conference. Again, remember, like I said, no problem having anyone call me an idiot. Uh, so had to retire that bit after was, I was getting like two pictures per day tweeted at me of Brussels sprouts because, and I, you know, it was my promise that I would retweet every single one, but it it got to be like ridiculous at a certain point. Gotcha. All right. So do you have any good, I've tried them. I've made them once. Not that I've tried them once. I made them once with a sort of pumpkin seeds, soy sauce, roasted, basically got any, any tips for me on how I should be making them? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's uh, my, my favorite, like quick way to do it is if you saute them in a pan and with olive oil, garlic, and, um, you know, any kind of seasoning you want. I like a little old bay seasoning or crushed red peppers. Um, and the key is to saute them, brown them up a little bit, but then you got to cover them with a, you know, like a, just a regular pan cover, uh, for about like four ish minutes to get them soft. Cause you want them to be crunchy, but you don't want them. You also want to be, you want them to be a little soft, but if they're too soft and soggy, that's gross. Yeah. Roasting in the oven is, is of course great. You know, if you're a person that, you know, likes bacon, you can always, I made it for my mom's wedding, uh, reception party. I made a nice like bacon covered Brussels sprout thing that was really good. Bacon and sprouts go really well together. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're a really, the thing about them is like, I'm not going to be sit there and say like, yeah, I just want to munch on a raw Brussels sprouts. I mean, I'm not a psychopath, but <laughs> they're really, they're really open to a lot of different flavors that you can get creative and, and fun with, you know, covering them in a lot of different ways. So they're, they're have fun with it. It would be my, uh, my, my recommendation. And everybody, no joke. I, I was actually writing this stuff down because I'm not, I'm not just, you know, asking Matt this for fun. I'm really interested. I, I like Brussels. I've learned the last couple of years. I actually kind of like Brussels sprouts. I never would have guessed it. Never. They're like, they've become, you know, especially li- I'm sure living in Charlotte, like they are a very trendy yeah. uh, vegetable. You know, they're out like as an appetizer at a lot of different places and you can get some, get some damn good Brussels sprouts out there at, at restaurants. So, I mean, if you, if that's like, you kind of need to ease into it, you know, figure it out. I, that, that's a good way to do it. I know a guy who's a, a bartender at a restaurant in, I think Westport, Connecticut, and he said he, they have a Brussels sprout dish that, that you know, they serve in a, as an appetizer. He says everybody gets them. Everybody. Mm-hmm. He, says, yeah. he sits at the bar and he yeah. just serves like 30 orders a night. So, yeah, Brussels sprouts, no joke, everybody. All right. Um, everybody, listeners to this podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required. That will allow you to check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out rotowire.com slash pod. Matt, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Can you please tell everybody what you're going to be working on at nfl.com football guys in the near future and how they can get your reception perception data to help with their drafts? Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, if you want to purchase the reception perception data for, and you want to try it out first, just go on Twitter, use the hashtag reception perception. And you know, there's a ton of graphs stats that I put out there. And if you like what you see, go head over to receptionperception.com. There's a picture of my cute little face, my headshot from like two years ago, which is unflattering. Uh, but scroll your mouse over that, and there's a link there to purchase the Fantasy Footballers Ultimate Draft Kit, where you get access to profiles on 50 NFL receivers, 19 rookies, and league-wide route running metrics. It's it's information that you can't find uh, anywhere else. And yeah, I'll definitely be doing a ton of stuff. NFL.com slash Harmon is where you can find all my columns from the season there. 
Sounds good. Uh, thanks again. Everybody, if you like this podcast, and we know you did, please leave us a review and a rating wherever you're listening. We would really appreciate it. That's it. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode is going to be coming on Tuesday, so please check back then. If you need help with your fantasy football draft, we are happy to help you out. For Matt Harmon, I'm John Halpin. We'll see you back here on Tuesday.